From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. And a big howdy to all of you listening in via one of our affiliate stations. And uh, last week, we added a new one, K-D-E-T-A-M, K-D-E-T-A-M, in Shreveport, Louisiana. I think I mentioned that last week, but this Sunday, they'll actually begin to air The Conspiracy Show, and K-D-E-T-A-M will play it Sunday afternoons from 4 to 6 p.m. So, thank you so much, K-D-E-T-A-M, for adding us to your uh, your weekly schedule. Hi to all of you watching us on the the live YouTube stream, and hi to all of you in the the live YouTube chat. Uh, to those listening via the Conspiracy Show app and the Zuma Radio Show app, both free downloads. However and wherever you're listening or watching, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. And again, uh, don't forget my new podcasts, Conspiracy Unlimited. We're closing in on a quarter of a million downloads, and we just launched in early December. Uh, my new podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone on Westwood One and the Jericho Network. Uh, Chris Jericho's podcast, uh, Talk is Jericho, incidentally, drops every Wednesday and Friday. And his most recent episode, which dropped uh, this past Friday, uh, features yours truly. Chris was kind enough to uh, interview me about uh, the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. And he's just been uh, great and very supportive and very welcoming. Chris Jericho, uh, one of the good guys. You know, I love it when great things happen to really good people. All right. A couple of years ago, well, more than a couple, I would say just after the mighty Aphrodite and I were married in 2000, uh, we used to, you know, scour the flea markets and and buy the odd antique. And um, I remember one of our first purchases was a, a bonnet chest. And um, a bonnet chest, you know, it's a, it's not like a regular chest of drawers. They have very deep drawers because they would hold bonnets, which were, you know, tended to be kind of tall. And this bonnet chest, beautiful. We loved it immediately and brought it home. And uh, we did the one thing you're not supposed to do with antique furniture. We had it refinished, right? That's a no-no. I understand. But it looks beautiful. We still have it. But... We were living up in Unionville in a very big house, and we just had our twin boys. So this is 2006, 2007. And I remember walking up into the upstairs in the hallway, and I would pace you know, up and down that hall with the little babies, trying to get them to settle down and put them to sleep. And I remember there was a bedroom that we used as a guest bedroom at the far end of the hall, and the door was closed, and the cold air was coming from underneath the door. I thought, what the heck is that? If we left the window open? So I went in there and the windows were closed and it wasn't even a particularly cold night. I mean, there was no frost on the window. It was like an autumn night and it was just cold. And I checked to make sure that the heating duct was open and it was. Uh, There was some heat coming out of there, but the room was just deathly cold. So I went down the hall with the baby, put him down. Both babies were asleep. And I just remember, I went back to that room and I, I shouted. I said, I don't know who you are or what you want. I said, get out. And I recited the Jesus prayer many times. 
And eventually that room warmed up. Now, I don't know. Was I just imagining? Was it lack of sleep of a new parent? Who knows? But I wonder if maybe all those antiques we were bringing into the house, there weren't a lot, a few pieces, whether we brought something was uh, sort of hitching a ride. Well, we're going to uh, talk about haunted objects and problem ghosts over the next hour, and we invite you to the phones as well if you have a problem ghost. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, of course, joins us every month. She's a best-selling author, researcher, investigator in the paranormal, metaphysical and related fields, including afterlife studies, spirit communication, cryptids, alien contact, you you name it. I mean, she does it. She's just a one-stop shop, uh, an encyclopedia of information. And um, the the, the list of books is too numerous uh, to mention. Um, she's got uh, The Road to Strange and uh, Demon Haunted, two stories from the John Zaffis Vault, The Zozo Phenomena, Calling Upon Angels, uh, Major Encyclopedias, The Encyclopedia of Magic and Alchemy, The Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Spirits, of Demons and Demonology, Talking to the Dead, which she co-authored with my colleague George Norrie. Uh, it's always a delight. I always learn so much when she drops by, and she's back for the hour. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hi, Richard. Well, I'm doing well, and uh, always a pleasure to be on the show. What an interesting story you told. Yeah. I won't say I forgot about it, but I just kind of parked it in my, I guess, back in, my, in the deep recesses of my reptilian brain for some reason, <laughs> because I don't really know if anything was going on, but I just remembered the other day, yeah, I, w- I got really angry in that room, particularly because I had two little ones, you know, so... What do you think, based well, on that it, story? It's possible that something did come in on one of those old pieces. It does happen. And uh, sometimes it's nothing more than, than just some leftover emotional imprints from previous owners and not necessarily a, a negative spirit, but spirits can attach to objects as well. We have a lot of antiques in our house, and something came along with one of the pieces we bought a few years ago and it was active for several years in oh just sort of a trickster sort of way and then either it went away or or it just ran out of juice uh because we haven't had anything in a while but what you did with getting angry i call that righteous anger uh-huh. and i tell people that sometimes that's what it takes to expel something unwanted because Whatever is unwanted in your environment or around you does not have the right to be there. Asking it to go sometimes won't work, but righteous anger will send energy to it to push it out. And yeah, that seems I, to have done I remember. In your case, I guess so. I was so angry it actually overcame my fear. You know, when you have children, you sometimes. I remember my mother always says this because my mother is well. She's ninety-three this June, and she's like four foot eleven. There were five of us, and when. She saw someone who was trying to mess around with us or whatever, or she got upset because of someone else was doing something that she didn't like concerning us. She said, I became this mama bear. I grew six feet. And I understand that now, you know. So you certainly can as a parent. You rise above your fear. And I got angry. What do you think about the use of the Jesus prayer? Prayer is very effective. And when people use prayers that have been used by millions and millions of people over many, many years, it's a very powerful battery. It's like a thought form energy. So you're tapping into a collective as well, as well as aligning yourself with higher spiritual forces. So prayers are often
often very effective for people. And I always tell people, if they are going to use prayer, recite something they're familiar with that has emotional meaning to them. Because if you recite a prayer that someone tells you to recite because it's really a good one and you have no connection to it, it's not going to be as effective as if you're putting a lot of emotional energy into it. It's just like that righteous anger. That's sometimes what it takes. I forget who I was talking to, whether it was on the podcast or this show, and we were talking about something like that. Do you remember that movie Fright Night? This vampire befriends the mother of this teenager, and she invites the vampire in. And once you do that, of course, the vampire can come and go as he pleases. And uh, the vampire was attacking this teenage boy and, and he tried to hold up the cross and the vampire just smiled and shook his head and said, sorry, not going to work with me. You have to believe. That's right. You have to believe. In the paranormal circles, it's been popular to uh, recite a Catholic prayer to the Archangel St. Michael for protection. And mm. here again, it has to mean something to you. So I've always told people that's a wonderful prayer, but if you've never used it in the past and it isn't part of your spiritual practice, you'd be better off switching to the Lord's Prayer or a, a childhood prayer or something like that that has that emotional connection for you. Right. Now, let's say you're an avid antiquer and your house is chock-a-block with this stuff, and then you have this suddenly you have this problem, some entity or energy. Is there a method of narrowing it down as to what piece? I mean, there's, you know, if you had a gas leak, you get a gas meter or some, a gas detector or something. Is there something that you can use to find out what piece is causing the problem? Well, what I tell people is to pinpoint the time when the problems start. When did you first start noticing troublesome phenomena? And what changed in your environment at the same time? Did you bring anything into the house? Did you acquire anything? Was there some sort of emotional shift in a relationship? And quite often that will identify the culprit right there. Now, if people have brought a number of pieces in at the same time, then it's a process of elimination. I also find that People often know when something is energetically off when they acquire it. It's got some different feel to them, but they're attracted to the object for other reasons, and they have to have it, but they know that there's something very strange about it. And so that will often help to identify it. When investigators come in to try and identify the source of a problem, if they are skilled in psychometry, that is sensitivity to touch, then touching objects, even a piece of furniture, may provide clues. So once the object is identified, then it's important to get it out of the house. And so if it can be put in a garage or taken outside, you have to evaluate things in terms of, uh, well, do people want to keep it? Is it, you know, valuable? And so should we try and get rid of whatever is attached to it and cleanse it so it can be brought back into the house? Sometimes people just want to get rid of something altogether. But taking it outside of the house will then move the attachment and the activity outside as well. Let the barn cats deal with it. Exactly. Stay stay put. We'll come back in a moment. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, the website visionaryliving.com. Stay with us. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, welcome back. 
Rosemary Ellen Gottlieb is with us. Our paranormal investigator joins us this time every month, and she's with us for the full hour. And we're going to open up the phone lines and take calls, questions, comments. If you have a haunted object or something you suspect may be haunted or possessed, or in general, if you just have maybe a problem ghost, a bad vibe, an energy in the house, and you'd like to know what you can do about it, Rosemary is the person to speak to. You mentioned something earlier I found fascinating, and that is you compared sort of the residual energy, almost like a battery, and it eventually runs out. So we're talking about a haunting that has, there's no consciousness to it. It's just sort of a playback loop, a memory or something that's stored in an object. How does that happen? How does an object store a memory And do certain materials store memories better than others? Well, the answer to the second question first is yes. Metal holds energy very, very well. Stone does, and crystals, semi-precious stones, jewelry, for example, is a very good holder of energy, and many people feel very emotionally connected to their jewelry. But when I view psychometry, for example, and in readings and investigations, I usually ask to hold something metal that the person owns, usually a ring, a watch, jewelry, even car keys, because we're emotionally attached to our cars. And it seems that when we handle things uh, and we own things and we like them and use them, that emotional energy gets transferred to objects and They can hold that energy, but it is limited. And this also applies to hauntings in general because they're imprints. They're like recordings and, you know, old photographs. They fade over time. Magnetic tape deteriorates over time. Well, that's the way it is with residual hauntings as well, which is why a lot of very old famous ghosts that might have been active hundreds of years ago are not often seen or experienced today. So the energy gets used up, and sometimes when something attaches to an object or or there's an emotional residue, let's say, it could be dormant for a while, and someone else comes along and buys that object in a second-hand store, an antique store, and they start using it and liking it and appreciating it and putting emotional energy into it. That can awaken what's dormant in an object. John Zappas and I, as you, as you know, we've investigated uh, mm-hmm. lots of cases of haunted objects, and some of them quite problematic, where unhappy emotions were attached to things. And that unhappiness then started affecting the new owners. Usually things are, are rather benign. They might cause some unpleasant phenomena like what you experienced or something that's kind of annoying. But depending upon the energy and and what it is that's lodged in an object, and sometimes spirits lodge in objects too, then it calls for some more remedial action. I'm just thinking now, I know from an investment point of view, you're not supposed to refinish antique furniture. But is it possible that refinishing an antique piece of furniture could stir up that residual haunting or could it even erase it? Both could happen, and in fact, when people go into older homes and renovate, sometimes they will experience an onset of activity. Whatever has been lodged there gets stirred up by the renovation. I've also had cases where people have moved into old homes, and 
they've got a resident ghost or, you know, residual energy, and they're comfortable with it, and then they decide to renovate, and that destroys the energy. Uh, mm. So both of those things can happen, and you don't know until you start doing something, some activity in a house, which way it's going to go. Now, there's the residual ghost, which is just a memory. It doesn't have consciousness, but an object can also be... I'll use the word possessed. I don't know if that's the word you would use, but an actual conscious entity can take up residence in an object, correct? Yes, that does happen. You know, we attract spirits throughout life. A lot of them are just low-level spirits. Many of them are not harmful, but they can be attracted to our emotional states, and in certain cases that enables them to take up residence in an object. Uh, sometimes people, through uh, ritual practices, will attract spirits. John and I have some cases in our books about uh, people picking up objects that were used in summoning rituals without realizing it. And, of course, a summoning ritual would be intended to call spirits in. And over the course of time, spirits can not go away. They can stay and they can lodge in that object. Another tricky thing here, Richard, is that not everybody is going to awaken residual energy. And it seems to be that human consciousness is a real wild card here uh, because uh, somebody could go and buy um, a, a second-hand object that has residual energy or an attachment to it and not ever experience a thing. But another person could take that same object home and start having all kinds of things break out. It depends on, I think, the energy in the home environment, the energy in the land. And then certain people just seem to have something in their field of consciousness that interacts with these things more easily than others. All right, let's go to the phones. And we have, I understand, an unnamed caller, someone wishing to be anonymous. So if that's you, caller, please go ahead. You're on the line with Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Yeah, I've had what I would call demonic visions for the last, I don't know, five or six years of my life. Uh, the last one I had was about nine months ago. Whenever I get these things, I'll hear a ringing in my head. Uh, usually as it gets louder, my vision will go black. And then sometimes I see things in there, sometimes not. The most horrifying one, that was uh, over a year ago now. I was approached by a bull that demanded I worship him. A bull? So, yeah. Okay. Uh, Rosemary, what do you make of that? Well, usually these things have some sort of cause or origin, uh, why they're happening. There's an onset uh, to them, and if somebody wants to get rid of them or eradicate them, then you have to find that point of origin and cause, which can then help in determining the remedies that are possible. So I'm not quite certain exactly how he's defining demonic vision and what the meaning of that is, you know, what are the circumstances under which these things happen. Another thing that we also look at in investigating these cases is what's going on in a person's life uh, while these experiences are happening and what was going on when the first one happened. Uh, there may be some sort of, um, you know, emotional component uh, that enabled um, something to attach to someone's aura, for example. 
Can you provide us with a little more uh, detail, Anonymous? Can you tell us about the circumstances under which the first one occurred, the first incident? Um, so I don't want to get too graphic on your show, but thank you. Yeah, you know, I was you. I was into some uh, things of a sexual nature that I really shouldn't have been, and I've turned away from now. Um, I, they, it did seem to get a lot worse uh, the further I got into that, and it's gotten, like I said, the last one wasn't for nine months now since I've backed off of that. Well, there um, there may possibly be an attachment that um, took place uh, because of some of this other activity, and what you would need to do is uh, get the help of someone who can detach that entity, send it away. Um, there's often aura repair that needs to go along with that because um, where something was attached in an aura needs to be healed. And so many energy healers are skilled in that. There are people who also are skilled in uh, spirit releasement. And um, they can um, provide, it's really kind of an exorcism that takes place. Um, not in the full-blown Catholic sense, but an exorcism in that something needs to be expelled. Is it possible he's undergoing some sort of a, if not a possession, and a demonic oppression? Uh, well, if the visions are unpleasant and kind of nightmarish, that certainly indicates the, the presence of um, what we would call a demonic spirit, a negative, hostile, uh, malevolent entity. And um, if something is left unchecked, then there's usually a, a progression where things begin to worsen and other aspects of life get to be affected, health does, uh, dreams get affected. And so it is important to take care of it. Uh, Anonymous, has this affected your health or is it, is it uh, just intruding on your, your dreams or your nightmares? Um. It hasn't really affected my health that I know of. Um, I think the first couple of times it happened while I was sleeping, but after that it's been, you know, while I'm wide awake, so uh, it's kind of, it, it grew from there. Mm-hmm. It has there, basically gone away it, for the last nine months at least. Is there a common denominator that um, that you can identify when when the, the, the onset of this ringing in your ears happens? In other words, what's going on in your life? Are you in a particular location? Uh, No, it's happened at several different locations. Usually it's just when I'm, um, you know, working. I I write software for a living. Usually it's when I'm sitting at home late at night just writing software, and uh, these things come on me. Are you a a religious? Sorry, go ahead, Rosemary. Oh, I was just going to comment, Richard, that uh, the ringing in the ears is um, often an onset symptom of of something coming in. And we find this in, um, for example, ET abduction cases where people say that they they know that uh, something's going to happen because they get a ringing in their ears or buzzing in their head. Right. Yes, I have heard that. Come to mention it. Uh, anonymous, are you a religious person? Uh, yes, I've turned within the, you know, I'd say I officially became a Christian around the end of 2014, turned my life over to God. 
And is there a, uh, do you have a, a spiritual father or someone that you could go to with this problem? You would feel comfortable uh, opening up to them about this? Not particularly. Do you think I've maybe for, it might be wise to maybe to reach out to someone like that? I have been thinking about that. What do you think of that idea, Rosemary? Uh, it's uh, certainly a good idea to seek out spiritual help. And uh, I have found in my experience that um, it it varies considerably. Uh, there are many ministers and priests and spiritual counselors, religious counselors, who don't know much about um, spirit attachments and spirit problems, and they don't know how to deal with it or they don't want to deal with it. And um, it's not unusual for a minister to say, oh, it's all in your head, it's just your imagination, uh, or you need to see a psychologist. Um, and then others are very helpful. They're knowledgeable, and, and uh, they, they know what to do, and they have the resources and the training to do it. So I often tell people that it might take you a while to find the right person. Um, and meanwhile, uh, many energy healers and spirit releasement uh, people uh, can be very helpful as well. And uh, spirit releasement is um, uh, a term that many um, of these kinds of exorcists uh, use. And you can Google that on the Internet and, and find uh, those individuals. Uh, they tune into the spirit and ascertain uh, why it's attached and um, get it to go. And they have different techniques for doing that. Uh, and uh, so that would be useful. And energy a releasement, healing as well. A, a spiritual releasement expert, is that how what he would Google? Spiritual yeah. releasement? Yes, all right. Spirit releasement. Anonymous, I wish you all the luck. Godspeed, God bless, and uh, thank you for sharing that with us. And I hope everything works out for you. Please reach out to us again and uh, let us know how everything's going. Rosemary, stay put. We'll get to some more calls when we come back. And again, if you have a problem ghost or a haunted object, then now is the time to call Rosemary Allen Guiley right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. The truth will set you free. But first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us. Uh, next week on the program, Nick Redfern will be along to talk about The Slender Man. And uh, then we have... Um, he's the author of... I don't have his name in front of me, but he's uh, he's written... Very uh, interesting book about the relationship between owls and the paranormal and owls and UFO sightings. There seems to be a connection there, and uh, he documents it uh, sort of throughout history and his own personal uh, encounters with owls and, again, UFO sightings. And I, I am a big fan of owls. I love them. Uh, and of course, the mighty Aphrodite being Greek, uh, the owl is the symbol for Athens. That was uh, Athena's symbol, the owl. So that'll be an interesting program. Nick Redfern and uh, owls and the paranormal. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us. Her website, visionaryliving.com. Check out the shop, the online bookshop there. And there you'll see uh, the long list of impressive works, many of the major encyclopedic works. And um, there's also... 
some books there about haunted objects, and that's what we're talking about this hour, haunted objects. Does it matter? I mean, could a very small item, let's say, for example, a coin, a coin collector, uh, or even uh, a small piece of jewelry, like a, a, a tiny pair of earrings, can they, can they be haunted? They certainly can, Richard. Anything, anything can acquire haunting energy. Uh, John maintains a museum of haunted objects, and he's got thousands of them that he's collecting. He's been collecting for uh, close to 40 years now from uh, cases. Uh, and uh, anything can be haunted. Pictures, jewelry, even religious statues, pieces of furniture, dolls, uh, coin collections, masks, uh, canes, coats, uh, you name it, uh, anything can acquire energy. And it's something to think about, you know, when, uh, when we pass objects uh, on, when we pass on possessions, and when we go shopping secondhand. Uh, most of the time, people are not going to have a significant problem. In all the years that I've been buying secondhand and antique furniture, um, I've rarely had a problem. The uh, the Chinese liquor cabinet that we acquired several years ago is the most active piece that uh, that I've had in a long time. And um, something came along with it that uh, liked to play with the um, the cabinet handles, and it would um, um, twist the handles so that we couldn't open any of the cupboards or doors. Uh, and uh, it was very confounding. But we haven't had any activity now for a little over a year, and uh, so I don't know whether it went away or it uh, used up all its energy. Hmm. You mentioned John Zaffis, of course, the haunted collector. Where does he store all of this stuff? Because I would think all of the pieces that he has collected, as you say, over 40 years, you must get just an incredibly powerful and bad vibe when you walk into that barn or warehouse or wherever he stores all of this stuff. Well, John collected so many objects that he he had to build an outbuilding for them, which he calls the mm-hmm. barn, and he's got his office there, too. It's it's not big like a horse barn. It's a, it's a small building, but it's two levels, and uh, he's got uh, it's stuffed with objects. Now, everything that he brings in, he cleanses first. He neutralizes it. Some some of the items that had hostile spirits um, attached to them, he uh, he has bound them and and put them in glass uh, display cases so that um, that energy is not disturbed. Then he's got a lot just stored in boxes in his basement and his attic. So not everything is uh, is on display. But you know that even though those objects have been neutralized, people pick up on energy. It's kind of impossible not to feel something when you're walking past all these objects. Um, I've even gotten EVP there. When we were working on our, uh, on our books, John and I would go through the collection, and I would have a digital recorder going uh, while we talked about the objects, and John related some of their background and history. And uh, I would have voices on playback, you know, mystery voices on playback, uh, including mm-hmm. one very spooky voice, a male-sounding voice that said, John, uh, oh, very, very loudly when I played it back. Uh, people have gotten kind of electric shocks walking past certain items. They feel watched. 
but John feels pretty immune to it. How does he bind them, the spirits? Uh, it can be done through prayer and calling in the angel realm and also cords of light. And uh, so when you bind something to an IV, if, if it will not go, then it's bound to the object so it can't uh, move around and cause problems. And that's done through um, calling in uh, whatever angels are, are your particular helpers um, and uh, visualizing cords of light going around this object and using prayer and invocation to command uh, that um, this spirit will uh, will not be able to uh, move past the uh, the object. And the reason why then these objects are then put in containers like um, a glass display case uh, is that handling them uh, could disturb those energetic um, l- links. Uh, cords, and uh, so you don't want those disturbed. All right, let's uh, say hello to William in Toronto. William, good evening. Welcome, or I should say, good morning. Now, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Hi. Uh, before I get started, I, I'd like to say that Rosemary is one of the very few people that I agree with uh, to a great extent. Um, she's very good at, at everything she tells you. Um, uh, I'd like to know if binding and loosing is uh, effective uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus the Christ, as in the Mark sixteen eighteen uh, uh, Bible scripture. And are we dealing here with uh, shapeshifter demons or just unclean spirits or leftover spirits from people that have not gone to the other side yet? And if you can uh, give comments on that, it'll be great. Good questions, yes, well, William. All, all of the above. Um, what we find attached to objects, uh, first of all, there's um, just kind of emotional residue that doesn't have uh, an active personality uh, to it. It's just stuff that's accumulated from previous owners. And uh, then there are people who uh, are earthbound for periods of time. Uh, they don't make a full transition immediately. And uh, it is possible for them to attach to to some of their objects as well. Um, there are lots of low-level spirits that are, um, I, I want to say they're fairly benign because they're not evil or malevolent, but they're more trickster-like. And uh, this is a very common sort of attachment if we find spirits attached to things. Then there are uh, also hostile uh, entities that uh, will attach um, and uh, some of those uh, are related to uh, summoning activities, and they can be quite problematic because they have an energy and a power and an intent to act out in harmful ways. Uh, some of the other uh, low-level spirits are just, I call them more opportunistic than, than anything else. They'll um, maybe be capable of some poltergeist effects, uh, what we would call haunting phenomena, and it doesn't go beyond that. It's not; it doesn't become like a personal attack on a person. But, William, um, thank you for any... the call. Uh, Rose, sorry, yeah, Rosemary, I've got to duck in here, and uh, we'll take a quick time out. Come back. Have to ask you about that Masonic apron story that actually uh, occurred here in Toronto. The owners reached out to you. We'll talk about that when we come back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, right here on the Conspiracy Show. When in doubt. Blame the government. 
You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Rosemary Allen Guiley is with us. The website visionaryliving.com and um, pretty close to 70 books now. She has authored or co-authored and I believe you can see all of those uh, online at her uh, bookstore. Again, visionaryliving.com. Rosemary, when you describe uh, certain hauntings as a residual energy or a residual memory it's it's kind of a it's um it's a very clinical sort of approach that sort of takes a lot of the fear uh out of it is there but is there anything at this stage of the game that frightens you well certainly i have encountered hostile entities in some of the cases that i've investigated that um have been, uh, yes, frightening because um, some of them are very powerful. Uh, they can gain the upper hand on people. Uh, they're unpredictable. And um, they're, they're not something to be trifled with. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't do exorcisms myself. And that's um, um, a, a very p- particular skill. And uh, I refer people to exorcists if I think um, that that's what's warranted in a case. Uh, I have advised people on cleansing environments, you know, like the home environment and, you know, getting rid of some low-level things. But when it comes to the heavy-duty stuff, uh, sometimes you have to know just um, when it's, it's time to clear out and uh, start over again. Can you give me an example uh, where, you, where you decided it was time to pull up stakes and and clear out rather than deal with this entity? Well, when I say clear out, I mean at least for the time being. Uh, sure, sure. Because, uh, you know, if if energy starts to uh, increase uh, and uh, negative things start happening uh, in unpredictable ways uh, so that you're in danger of losing control over a situation, then it's, it's best to um, just get out. And uh, I've had some uh, cases of gin activity in the past where that's been the case, where uh, I've set up with uh, a team of people to um, to do like an all-night uh, investigation, try and collect some uh, information about what's going on or even communicate with uh, the, the presence that, that is there. And uh, there have been times when uh, the activity has uh, started to ramp up in unpleasant ways, uh, equipment um, malfunctions, or people start to feel personally threatened by the, the presence or presences there. And when people start to get upset, um, then that's a very tricky time uh where you can lose control and so it's it's better just uh, there've been some times that I've said okay well we're calling it a night we'll we'll come back later uh, and uh, i have felt those uncertainties as well as as other people but if you if you start to feel uncertain or even fearful uh then they will get the upper hand on you very quickly have you ever been attacked by a full on apparition well, I've had, um, uh, I did have one case where I had uh, quite a few scratches on my back uh, and another case where I had some um, minor cuts on an arm, uh, you know, like little uh, paper cuts or razor, razor cuts that bled a bit. Um, 
I have not ever been uh, like pushed or thrown or uh, anything violent like that. But the um, the scratches happened uh, after an investigation. I'd given a a lecture down in Virginia at a haunted plantation to a paranormal group, and we were talking about negative entities and how to protect yourself from them. And uh, then after that, we did an investigation uh, at the uh, haunted plantation. And we stayed overnight, not at the plantation, but uh, Joe and I uh, spent the night in in Virginia. And when I woke up, I discovered that I had these um, red scratches all over my back, like someone had taken a like a garden trowel to me. Um, hmm. Chris crisscrossed my back with scratches. I couldn't have possibly done it myself. And yet I hadn't felt anything uh, during the night. Um, they lasted about a day and then went away, and I took it as a indication that um, whatever was listening to my talk probably didn't like it. Oh, dear. Oh, I hope they paid you time and a half for that. Uh <laughs> Let's uh, let's say hi to Averill in Richmond Hill. Averill, welcome. Hello. Good morning. Welcome to the Conspiracy Hello? Show. Hi there. You're on. Hello. Hi, Averill. Go ahead. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I had my phone backwards. That's all right. It happens. <laughs> uh, what I wanted to ask Rosemary about. I've had a couple of, of strange things over the years, but the the one I was going to ask about, I've decided not to. And. Uh, uh, about two years ago, I was sitting by my computer, and I was very worried about a, a certain thing. I actually, even a bit scared, but extremely worried. And all of a sudden, I smelt a super uh, strong uh, smell of roses. And roses. it was so strong that I started looking around. I thought, this is the middle of winter, and I have no flowers in the house. Where is this smell coming from? And it wasn't coming from anywhere. I don't know. And it stayed for about 10 minutes and then slowly it drifted off. So uh, I, I Googled it and thought, I didn't realize how many people have had this happen to them. And what I Googled is something about a protective energy or a protective force. It's often associated with saints, isn't it, Rosemary? A saints, it can be associated with saints, also angels. Spirit guides, uh, even the dead. Uh, oh. If we um, uh, feel that uh, we have a close bond with someone on the other side who kind of looks out for us, um, floral scents and especially rose scents, lavender is, is uh, another one that's common. Uh, often indicate this protective, helpful, uh, benevolent spirit presence. So uh, perhaps it uh, it manifested as um, a calming reassurance for you well it was like after I, I thought I it's funny instinctively I felt it was something like that uh, and there's another thing many 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 years ago uh, I used to do medit- I was trying meditation on auras and I did it with a candle and I couldn't I'm, it's very hard for me to steal my mind so anyhow the candle bet uh, bent in two. Oh, oh my! Oh, I blew out the candle. I got really scared. <laughs> I blew out the candle. So about two months later, I did the same thing, and I heard an explosion in my living room. 
and it just scared the daylights out of me, and I couldn't find where it came from. And I ran into my son's bedroom, told him to get on the floor. I thought someone shot something through a window. But anyway, as I did that, a, a orange ball of light flew around the room and then went out the bedroom window. Was that a spirit? Well, it certainly sounds like a spirit manifestation. Um, candle meditation is a very good way to connect with the spirit realm. And so maybe your meditation attracted something uh, to the environment. Um, a lot of these are drop-in visitors. Uh, it's a one-time manifestation. And, Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> that, that may have occurred in this case. I see. Well, Avril, Avril, thank you so much for that. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. Great call. Thanks for sharing. Call Thank again you. sometime. Bye-bye. Rosemary, bye-bye. Rosemary, I just have a, we have a few minutes left. Uh, don't know. Just give us the, um, the, the synopsis of that, um, haunted Masonic apron. Do you remember? I do. A very interesting case where a grandfather who was a Mason had passed away and, uh, the, um, family had inherited his Masonic apron and put it in a closet and then poltergeist phenomena broke out in the house. And uh, I suggested that um, maybe he might be upset because he wasn't buried with his apron. It's, uh, I don't know what the tradition was in his lodge, but in many lodges it's traditional for Masons to be buried with their aprons. And uh, I believe they said some prayers over it, and um, the problem went away. I, I recall you describing this once because this was a, 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 a couple here in Toronto that I think reached out to you after hearing you on this show. And they reached into the closet one time where the apron was hanging and all of a sudden the inside of the closet, it was like the telephone booth on Doctor Who. It, they went inside and the closet was much, much bigger than it should have been. Am I remembering that correctly? I, I believe so. They had a lot of very strange phenomena going on with it. Um, once they uh, they said a prayer to the grandfather, uh, I don't think it was possible to, you know, that he was buried, and so it wasn't possible to, you know, bury the apron with him without, you know, a disinterment. But they did say some prayers, and uh, they said some prayers to the grandfather, and um, that seemed to put the matter at rest because the phenomena did stop. Right, right. How often are you getting, um, do people reach out to you continuously uh, with, with problem uh, hauntings? Yes, I, I get them all the time. Uh, sometimes they seem to go in spurts, like there's something out in the, in, in the ethers, you know, that uh, works things up and a lot of people start experiencing things. And sometimes um, people see, watch TV shows and then... Uh, uh, that makes them concerned and they start paying more attention. But, uh, yes, it's, it's fairly common that people have um, uh, issues with objects, and uh, most of them can be resolved in a very satisfactory way. Can they reach out to you through your website? Yes, visionaryliving.com. Rosemary, always a pleasure, always enlightening. Thank you so much. And thank you, Richard. All right, be well. We'll talk again next month. Okay, good night. Good night, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. All right, that's it for us. 
My thanks to uh, Ian Robertson, of course. Ryan uh, Elbert taking a much-deserved night off, always uh, doing yeoman's duty. Next week, Nick Redfern and the connection between owls and the paranormal. Until then, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.